Good morning, church. How is everyone this morning? Good. That is good to hear. Uh, if you do not know me, my name is Vince Nevis, and I am the children's minister here, and I am excited to be here for a second week in a row. It's quite fun. We are going to jump right into it this morning. We are going to continue kind of where we left off last week, and um, this morning I want to offer you uh, two perspectives, maybe four perspectives, depending on how you look at it, and an old generation of Israelites and a new generation of Israelites, an insider and an outsider. Last week, I left you with the question, what color are your glasses, right? What is the tint of your glasses? How are you seeing the world? The world. I also left you with a phrase of perception is reality. And I left you with the question of, is your perception actually reality, actually truth, or is it your reality? This week, we are actually going to continue with the same Israelites, the same people that we left off with. We're just going to skip a little bit further into the future. They, the previous generation of Israelites, they had the lenses of fear, forgetfulness, and deceit. And they found themselves wanting at the end of those lenses, at the end of that reality. So some time has passed, and we are now with Joshua leading the Israelites. Moses himself has passed, and the old generation of Israelites is gone. And so we are entering into the promised land. And we're starting off almost the exact same way we did last week. But instead of 12 spies, Joshua is sending two spies into the land, specifically into the city of Jericho, and they stay with the prostitute Rahab. So Rahab is our outsider. I'm going to give you that right now. We've not met our insider. We will meet him here in a little bit, and I'm sure you've got a picture of the old generation of Israelites and the new generation of Israelites. Let's jump right into the story today. We have lots of scripture today, so we're going to read quite a bit out of our Bibles this morning. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they, were, they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. But she had taken them up them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of the flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads toward the fords of Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you and when you, came, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully, 
when the Lord gives us this land. Lots of things to unpack there, but Rahab actually almost verbatim quotes Deuteronomy right there. There is scripture previous in our Bibles that Rahab is is quoting almost word for word. Here in Deuteronomy 3, verses 8, and then 10 following, so at that time we took from these two kings of the Amorites, the territory east of the Jordan, from the Arnon Gorge as far as Mount Hermon. We took all the towns on the plateau, all Gilead and all Bashan, as far as Selica and Edre, towns of Og's kingdom in Bashan, right? So they took, destroyed, defeated, just melted, right? They totally took care of these two kings, and Rahab had heard that. Further on in Deuteronomy 4, acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below, right? So in Deuteronomy, this is Moses. Moses is reminding the Israelites of the things that they have done at this point. Rahab, an outsider in Jericho, is repeating the words of Moses almost word for word. Her perspective is that of fear, but it's not quite the same as the fear that the Israelites had previously, right? Hers is one of almost reverence versus one of fear of death, right? She, she says, we heard what you did. We know that this land is not ours anymore, and we ask that you show us kindness, that, show my family kindness because I have shown you kindness. They work out a few details, the spies in Rahab, and they set everything up. And it takes a few chapters to get us there. Um, but further on in chapter 2, the spies returned. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. So this is the new generation of spies, the new generation of Israelites who have been reminded by Moses of what they need to remember. They've been reminded of Moses, of God's great works, and they know that the Lord is on their side. So we've, we've kind of taken the perspective of the old generation, of the send us back to Egypt generation, and we have thrown that out. So now we have this new perspective. We can do this. God has given us everything. We trust in the Lord. Our eyes are set on God, and we will do this. So they've worked out the de- details with Rahab on how to identify her family, how to identify her house. And a few chapters later, in chapter 6, the Israelites arrive at Jericho, and the best veggie tales ever was created. Josh and the big wall. We're throwing slushies at people over the wall. Many of you know this story, right? The Israelites march around the city of Jericho seven times, and on the seventh, seventh day, they do it seven times, and blow trumpets and horns and scream. And um, This is one of my favorites to show to my kids because it's just funny, because we have little French peas shooting slushies over the side of a wall. And so all, uh, all slushies aside, this is an amazing story of God's power, right? We have the city of Jericho, mighty walls, mighty people, and just a huge, great city that falls at the hands of people walking around. The Israelites didn't do anything from a battle perspective until the walls fell. The Lord God did everything. And so when the walls fell, the Israelites go in and they ransack the city. They take the city as God has commanded. And now God has given a few other instructions of not to take certain items. And Rahab is spared based on the agreements that they had made with the spies. She had placed a 
red cord outside her window, her family, their life, she is absorbed into the Israelite community with her family at this point. She believed in the Lord God and his power, and so she entered into the city of Israel and the nation of Israel. And so the Israelites take the city, they're given commands not to take certain things, and yet it's just so hard to follow every command of God. So in chapter 7, we see this. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of these items. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And throughout all of chapter 7, we have this account of Israel going on to the next place and being defeated. And there's a new fear in this new generation of Israelites. What happened? How did we lose? The Lord God is on our side. And Joshua, as leader, he goes, we, we messed up. Somebody, somebody did something and tears his clothes. He falls and he, he gets everyone in the uh, nation of, of all 12 tribes and they gather and they bring people out one by one and they talk, who, who did what? You know, let's figure this out. They have this full-on investigation. Eventually, Achan, the insider, the one who lived within the nation of Israel, of this new generation that fears God, he's found out and not just him, but his whole family is then stoned for his sins. And so we have these kind of two parallel stories of, of this outsider that is Rahab, who has a, a healthy fear and respect of the Lord. And then we have this insider who has been a part of some of these victories, right? He's been there and seen the things that the Lord has done. Rahab has not seen them. She's just heard about them, right? And he almost embodies the old generation of Israelites. He embodies that perspective of, I wanted, so I took. And he did not follow the Lord's instructions. And so Achan and his whole family are stoned. His whole family is wiped out. But do you know what happens to Rahab's family? This is not the last time she's mentioned in Scripture. She comes up one other time in the book of Matthew. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Salmon, the, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And these only two women up until you get to, or uh, if you include um, Bathsheba is mentioned, right? Whose mother had been Uriah's wife, right? So we get Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. And then finally, at the very end, it gives Mary, who is the mother of Jesus. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, and 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So Rahab, the outsider, in trusting and focusing in on the Lord and knowing who God was and keeping her eyes on the prize, having a clear perspective, a clear vision of reality, is in the genealogy of Christ. But she was an outsider. She didn't even necessarily believe up until she had heard of the wondrous things of God, right? She wasn't a part of this nation. She didn't wander the desert. She lived in the city of Jericho um, as a prostitute, no less. It's not like she was the you know, great leader, great priest, or anything like that. And yet, here she sits in the genealogy of 
Jesus. I want to pause right here for a minute, and we're going to do something a little out of the ordinary. In, uh, sometimes in youth classes, sometimes in children's classes, we play some games. And uh, one of the games we play, we call them, uh, in the children's wing at least, they're, they're pixelated games, right? It's where you get this image, and it's a little fuzzy, and it gets a little clearer and a little clearer, and you have to guess what it is. So we're actually going to play, okay? So I'm going to encourage you to shout out answers today, if you can figure this out. This is called Mystery Locker Item, and this is the second version of it. In a high school student's locker, you may find a few different things. So we've got three little games, and I know you're like, what does this have to do with anything on perspectives? We'll get there, I promise. But I need you to take a moment and have a little fun with me this morning. So if you can figure out what this is, oh, I heard it, I heard it. I saw it, actually. I saw a mouth moving. Shout it out. Let's see. Headphones? All right, we got a little clearer. Fidget spinner, that's right. It's a fidget spinner. You might find one of those in a uh, high school locker room here. Okay, what is this? A pumpkin. I don't know that you would ever find. Maybe at Halloween, but uh, not necessarily any other time of the year. I don't know. Maybe you have pumpkins in your lockers. Okay, last thing. Specifically, this one's a cheetah cub, but, you know, I don't know that we have those in lockers either. And, and that may have been a little silly, but the point is sometimes our vision is blurry. Sometimes our perspective is not necessarily what it seems to be, and we can take guesses at it, right? Dog, cat, some other things. I heard headphones for the fidget spinner. That first one, we heard an orange, right? Because it kind of looked like an orange until we got a clearer and clearer view of what it actually was. In Hebrews 12, it tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is the reality. No matter your perception, no matter what your experiences are, the emotions you're having today, the logic that you're thinking through today, the things going in your life, going on in your life right now, the reality is that Jesus is what clears our lenses. Jesus is what gives us the clearest view altogether. Now, back in the time of the Israelites, it may not have been Jesus at that time, but it was the Lord God who sent Jesus. It was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That was the focus. And when the Israelites did that, the Israelites succeeded. When the Israelites did that, God was pleased. It is when the Israelites loved the Lord their God with all of their being is when the Israelites toppled Jericho. And it is when they didn't that the family of Achan was stoned. But even an outsider like Rahab could understand and could enter into the nation of Israel Because she chose God, she chose the Lord without even knowing him the way that the Israelites knew him. 
She didn't have necessarily a full depth of understanding. And yet, here she is in the lineage of Christ. No matter your bias, your emotions, your desires, your experiences, or the color of your glasses, the one truth that holds all of us in this room together, everybody who is at church across the, the nation, the world today, is Jesus Christ, is the Son of God. He came to earth. He died on the cross for us, for each and every person. And he rose again. You have a choice. You can choose the things that are scary. You can choose to see the dangers of the world. You can choose to see your own biases, your own perspectives, your own experiences. Or you can choose to fix your eyes upon Jesus and to run your race with Jesus at the center of your vision. And when you run your race with Jesus at the center of your vision, your biases don't matter. People matter. Your experiences, they'll play into how you help people. They'll play into how you interact with people. But if Jesus is at the center of your vision, the way you interact with people will be like Jesus. If you aren't looking at Jesus on how to be the best human you can be, then you're not going to be the best human you can be because Jesus was the best human there ever was. And if you're not looking at Jesus to see what God is, to see who God is and what his um, experiences on earth were like and what he did while he was on earth, if, Jesus, if you're not looking at Jesus for that, then you don't know who God is because Jesus is God incarnate on earth fully divine, fully human. If you're not looking at Jesus for who you need to be as a Christ follower, then you don't know who to be as a Christ follower. You can be the generation of Israelites of old. You can be the generation of Israelites of new that take Jericho. You can be Achan. You can be Rahab. But it is your choice. You are the one that gets to choose where your focus is. You are the one that gets to choose the color of your lenses. And no matter what your perception, if Jesus is your focus, you will find reality. You will find truth in almost all situations because Jesus, Jesus is the focus. My recommendation is that you choose Jesus. I think if you choose Jesus, I think if you focus on Jesus, I think that we would see eye to eye more often. I think that our interactions with each other would be more Christ-like on a day-to-day basis. I think our perception with Jesus at the center would truly be reality. And so that's what I leave you today with, church. There are many perspectives in the world. There are many perceptions in the world. There are many different focuses in the world. Which one do you choose? Thank you.